Good morning, everybody. Anybody want to talk a little bit about Jesus this morning? If you have a Bible, open it up to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. We're just going to look at three verses this morning. Very interesting verses. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. If you're next to somebody that doesn't have a Bible, let them read along with you. Just three verses. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 8. And when Jesus had come down from the mountain, great multitudes were following him. And behold, a leper came to Jesus and bowed down to him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him. And he, he stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come together in the community and hear the word of God. And we ask that Spirit of God, you would minister to our hearts the word. That you would speak to us now, that you'd open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to discern. And that Jesus, you would speak to us. Thank you for your great love, Lord. Manifest your love in this place. We ask that you'd speak through your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have this interesting story here in Matthew chapter 8. And there's just three players in this story. We have the crowd. And we have the leper. And we have Jesus. And what we're going to see is this that there's an interesting relational dynamic taking place between these three parties. An interesting relational dynamic taking place between these three parties that just happens to be relevant for our lives today. And one thing that I want you to keep in mind as we're discovering that truth is this. That leprosy throughout the Bible is always analogous to or a picture of sin. Okay, I want you to remember that. Leprosy throughout the Bible is always analogous to or a picture of sin. It's not that what we have before us is an allegory. It's a literal, actual, historical occasion here in the book of Matthew. But the man with leprosy paints for us a picture by way of analogy of something that every one of us as human beings deal with, and that's called sin. Now let's talk about these three players, the crowd, the leper, and Jesus. First of all, the crowd. How might have the crowd felt about the leper? There was a great multitude that came down from the mountain. Jesus had just taught the Sermon on the Mount in the previous chapters. He comes down and everybody's following him. They're following Jesus because he spoke like nobody else had ever spoken before. He spoke with authority. He wasn't quoting other teachers or other texts. He was speaking as one with authority, the very word of God. And so many were following him at this point. They follow him down off the mountain, and then the crowd encounters a leper. Now, how might that crowd have felt about the leper? Well, we need to understand a little bit about leprosy. What is it exactly? It's not that common in our day anymore. It's uh, now isolated mostly to the tropic regions of Africa and Asia. But in the ancient world, it was quite common. And on occasion, somebody would come down with leprosy. And I looked up a definition of it in the Oxford Dictionary, and here's what it said about leprosy. A contagious disease that affects the skin, mucous membranes, and nerves, 
causing discoloration and lumps on the skin, and in severe cases, disfigurement and deformities. So it's a disease that affected the skin, the mucous membranes, the nerves, and it would cause welts and uh, open wounds and disfigurement even in severe cases. Now, because of the reality of leprosy, there were some real physical effects that would have affected how the crowd felt about this man. This morning, early before dawn, I went on the internet and I looked up some pictures of leprosy. Just did a Google search and just typed in leprosy and a couple pictures came up. And there was a picture of an African person and I tell you, they were so disfigured, I could not tell if it was male or female. They had leprosy. Their face was horribly disfigured. I could not discern their sex. One thing that was easy to discern though was the horror the heartbreak, the loneliness that was in that person's eyes. It was unmistakable. I wish you could have seen it. I wish I had some way to show you this morning the picture that I saw this face. It was this morning. It was, it was unmistakable in this person's eyes. The horror, the sense of separation and disappointment and heartbreak. And then there was a second picture. And this picture was a young boy. I could tell he's just about six years old. Looked like it could have been my son or your son. He had beautiful hair. He's just a beautiful boy. Except for his skin was horribly disfigured and discolored and swollen in all sorts of strange ways. And again, the thing that was unmistakable about that photo was the heartbreak in that young boy's eyes. I could not get away from the eyes of those lepers on the internet this morning. The reality of the physical effects of that disease that was so common in that ancient world. And what we know is because of the horrible physical effects, that disease was the most feared of all diseases in the ancient world. It was so feared that in Israel, the cultural context for the Bible, in Israel when someone had leper, there were, or had leprosy, there was a law in the land that if they were going to approach a population of people, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. They had to completely cover themselves because nobody wanted to see them. And nobody wanted to be anywhere near them. And so they were required when they would approach a group of people to yell out, unclean, unclean, and warn the others that they were coming. And people were terrified of them. One religious writer said, if I see a leper, I throw rocks at him to make sure he won't come toward me in that day. Another said, I would not so much as buy an egg off of a street where a leper had previously walked. These people were so feared. They were so despised. They were so rejected because of the fear of the sin that they had. So there are tremendous physical effects that yielded, as you can imagine, horrible emotional effects in the life of the leper. You see, if somebody was diagnosed with leprosy, the moment that their diagnosis was made final, they were never allowed to see their family again. They might have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. They might have kids at home and a wife that they love. And the moment it was discovered that they had leprosy, they were never allowed to return to that home again. That man would never hold his wife. He would never hold his son. He would never hold his daughter again. I can imagine him standing on a hill looking down in the village where he once lived and his kids playing there in the street, and his wife going to the well, and him knowing, I will never touch them again, and they will never again touch me. 
And I can imagine that man's heart breaking a thousand times over as he went to that hill and looked down and saw his family who would never hear the voice of his children as they grew. There was a horrible emotional effect that came along with the reality of leprosy. And there was, finally, a spiritual effect. You see, anybody with that sort of disease, they were removed from the religious life of Israel. They weren't allowed to go to the temple. They weren't allowed to attend worship services. Though they may have been fervent in their spiritual life previously, they were now cut off from the worship structure of the land. And so there were profound spiritual effects as well. Physical, emotional, spiritual reality. Now, how do you think that crowd felt about that leper? I'll tell you, they were terrified. There's no doubt in my mind that they began to yell and shout at him. There's no doubt in my mind that they would have begun to have cursed him. That they wanted him as far away from them as was possible. There's no doubt in my mind how that crowd felt about that leper. They were disgusted when they saw him. And I thought about that, thinking about the analogy of leprosy to sin in the Bible. I think that that crowd fought, probably felt about that leper, how you and I would feel about one another if suddenly our deepest, darkest secrets were exposed. Suddenly, who we really are was visible on the outside. Suddenly, our worst sins were visible to everyone around us. The worst thoughts that you think in your heart. Your worst moments when you're all alone and nobody else knows, if those were suddenly exposed in the midst of a crowd, I'll tell you, we would repulse one another. There's not a one of us that would want to be near to the other one if it was really exposed in an instant what we were, the things that we thought in our hearts, the way that we murdered people in our hearts, the lust that was in our hearts, the greed and the deceit and the lying, those things were suddenly revealed. I imagine we'd feel about one another as a crowd felt about the leper that day. Because leprosy throughout the Bible is analogous to or a picture of the reality of sin. And as that man's physical condition was repulsive to the general population, we need to know that our inward condition is repulsive to the God of the universe. There is something called sin. I don't need to convince you you're a sinner. You know you are. I know I am. We know we are. We know that we do wrong things. There's no question about that. Look at the world around you. Think about it for a minute. Humanity is not basically good or we would not see the horrors in the world that we do. Humanity is sinful. And, and the creator of the universe is a holy and righteous God. And our sin before him is repulsive. Leprosy being an analogy of sin. And following that analogy, what sin does then is it separates. Just as that man was separated from his loved ones, sin separates us from God, the Bible declares. God's hand is not so short that he cannot save, nor his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and God, the Bible declares. Our inward condition, our sinfulness, our errors against God and one another cause a separation between us and God. Because just as that crowd didn't want to come in contact with that leprosy, God is a holy God. And our sin is not acceptable in His sight. Now, the other thing that sin does, continuing with the analogy, is sin disfigures. 
Just as leprosy left unchecked and continuing in the body of a person would eventually disfigure them and even on occasion dismember them. Sin disfigures humanity. You look at all the horrors in our world and it's a product of a fallen world. A world that is in rebellion to God. What humanity likes to do is blame God for the tragedies that we see. But you see, it's not God's fault. God is a good God. Can I get a witness? God is a good God, but we are a sinful people. And for millennia, we have rebelled against God. And the tragedy and the heartbreak and the murder and the death and the disease and the mayhem that we see in this world is a result of sin. And I'll tell you what it does. It disfigures humanity. It mars those who are created in the image of God. Continuing along with that analogy, sin also causes us to become numb or it anesthetizes us. It, causes, it causes us to become numb or it anesthetizes us to horrific things. Let me explain. Leprosy left unchecked would eventually affect the nerves of the person. And what would happen is they would cease being able to feel with, you know, their hands and their feet, so on and so forth. And so if they were walking and they twisted an ankle and tore some ligaments, they couldn't feel that. They would just adjust for it and continue to walk on that ankle. I've heard modern stories from people in Africa who had leprosy and a potato dropped into the hot coals of a fire and they reached their hands in to pull the potato out. You see, they've lost that outward feeling. And once they lose that feeling and that system of check that God has put in place, disfigurement is rapid. Dismemberment is sure to come. And sin has the same effect in our lives. You see, sin is sneaky, sneaky. The Bible says that it's fun for a season. There's no doubt about it. It's fun for a season. But pretty soon, it causes you to become numb to the reality of God. It anesthetizes you to the consequences of certain actions. And we reach into the coals unchecked by pain. And humanity becomes disfigured and scarred in all sorts of ways. And then humanity hears the message of a God who created them and loves them and wants to forgive them of all of their sins. And something resonates in the heart of a man and a woman when they hear that message. Something says, that's good news for me that I have this sin issue, that it has me separated from God, that it's having a detrimental effect on me and my family and my community, but there is a God who wants to save me from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. Something resonates in the heart of a man or a woman when they hear that message. But when a man or a woman refuses that message, then the heart is hardened and the conscience is seared. And as they continue deeper into their sin and further away from God, it becomes more and more difficult for them to accept the reality of that message because they become anesthetized by the deceitful nature of sin. Even though their lives become more and more destructive. There's a member of our church right now whose brother is laying in a hospital dying. He'll be dead in a matter of hours. He's bloated three times his normal size in all sorts of horrific colors. And the reason is because of a lifetime of sin. It was very clear to him that it was killing him. But you see, he had become anesthetized, numb to it like the leper eventually does. The final thing that leprosy would do is kill you. And that too is analogous to sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin or what sin earns us is death. Not just physical death. Physical death did come into the world because of result of sin. But spiritual death, let me define it for you. Spiritual death is eternal separation from God. You see, the Bible declares, and I'm not going to apologize for it. The Bible declares that when you die, you go to one of two places, heaven or hell. 
The Bible declares that God does not want anybody to go to hell. That God desires that every single person would be saved from the penalty of sin. But the penalty of sin is spiritual death or eternal removal from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And just as leprosy was sure to kill, sin is sure to kill, not only physically, but a spiritual separation from God. Jesus Christ came to deal with the problem of sin. He came to deal with the problem. Now, we've dealt with the crowd. We've dealt with the leper. Let's deal with Jesus for a moment. How do you think Jesus felt about the leper? We know exactly how the crowd felt about the leper. How do you think Jesus felt about him? Well, I think it's best illustrated in the way that the leper obviously perceives Jesus. I think we'll best understand how Jesus felt about the leper when we understand how that leper perceived Jesus that day. What we see in the story is that the leper came to Jesus with confidence. Now, don't miss the poignancy of that. It says in verse 2, and behold, meaning look or listen, understand, take note. Alert yourself to this fact that the leper approached Jesus. Lepers weren't supposed to approach anybody in that day. They weren't supposed to approach anybody. And yet this leper came to Jesus with confidence. Why? Well, number one, first of all, the leper obviously believed that Jesus was able to do something about his condition. The leper obviously believed that Jesus was able to do something about his condition. That's why he came to him. He got down on his face and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He obviously understood that Jesus was able to deal with his issues. Now, let me ask you, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is able to deal with your issues today? What do you believe about Jesus and his ability? Whatever your belief is, let me ask you this, what do you base it upon? Because we do have a primary source concerning the person of Jesus and his power and his life and his acts and his death and resurrection. It's called the Bible. It is a primary historical source about who the person of Jesus was. Do you believe that Jesus is able to deal with this disease of sin that you have today? Do you believe that he's able to deal with your physical ailments today? That he's able to heal your emotional difficulties today? That he's able to repair your brokenness today. That he's able to restore your broken relationships today. Listen, whatever your opinion is, why don't you take a clue from somebody who actually saw Jesus, the leper? What do you base your opinion on? You should take it from a primary source. The leper saw Jesus, and he knew that Jesus was able to deal with his problem. The second reason that the leper approached Jesus with confidence was that he obviously sensed a love and tenderness in Jesus that allowed him to approach him without fear of rejection. The leper obviously sensed love and tenderness in the person of Jesus that allowed the leper to approach him without fear of rejection. What do you think about approaching Jesus today? I'll tell you, Jesus says in the Bible that he will in no way turn away anyone that comes to him. You have no fear of rejection with Jesus Christ. I know how you feel because I felt that way. 
My sin is too great. I'm too dirty. I'm too used. I'm too abused. I've gone too far. God doesn't want me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He desperately wants you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. He wants you. And he's approachable for you today. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Take the advice from a man who saw him. The leper obviously believed that he could come to him without fear of rejection, that he would be accepted by Jesus, even though everybody else rejected that man. And the final thing is this. He somehow knew that Jesus was neither afraid of him nor ashamed of him. Jesus was not afraid of him. Wasn't afraid of his problems. You see, God is bigger than our problems. He wasn't ashamed because he loved him like a son. And his intent was to cleanse him. And because this man realized that Jesus wasn't ashamed of him, this man for a moment was less ashamed of himself. And that makes me think a wonderful thought, and it's this. Our life must be explained in terms of who God is, not merely who we are. Our lives must be explained in terms of who God is, not just who we are. Because if we just concentrate on who we are, they're going to have all sorts of problems in this lifetime. But if we'll get our eyes on Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and let our lives be explained in terms of who He is, and know that we are accepted in Him and loved by Him for a moment, this man was less ashamed of himself because he sensed that Jesus wasn't ashamed of him. And the next thing is this. This leper came to Jesus with reverence. He didn't only come with confidence, he came with reverence. You see, he believed that Jesus was Lord. Who do you believe that Jesus Christ is today? The Bible declares that he is Lord. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus claimed two things, deity and exclusivity? Jesus claimed deity and exclusivity. He's not just a good teacher and he wasn't just a prophet. He was God in the flesh, God's only son. Beyond claiming deity, Jesus also claimed exclusivity. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now those are radical claims. Jesus claimed, and I won't apologize for it, I'll proclaim it. Jesus claimed deity and exclusivity. Now he's going to have to do something to back that claim up. That's a big one. He's going to have to do something to elevate his opinion above and beyond every other religious leader in the history of the world. Because there's been a lot of claims throughout the history of the world. Jesus also then predicted his own death upon the cross and three days later, his own resurrection from the dead. And history tells us that Jesus died on the cross there outside the ancient walls of Jerusalem. And history tells us, it's called Easter. Hello? History tells us that Jesus rose from the dead three days later. Can I get a witness? And with that singular feat, Jesus gave validity to his words above and beyond any other religious figure in the history of the world with his predicted and successful death and then resurrection from the dead. Jesus is elevated above every other religious leader. And so when Jesus claims to be the very revelation of God, God in the flesh, the only unique son of God, and when Jesus claims that he is the answer to the sin problem, 
that he is the savior of you and I in the world, you can put absolute trust and confidence and faith in his words. The poignant thing is this. The leper came to Jesus. Are you willing to come today? I'm going to ask you in a minute to come. I want to know if anybody's going to be willing to come to Jesus today. You see, he had a whole crowd who was against him. But there was one who was for him. His name was Jesus. And the leper got out of his comfort zone. He broke every social norm, every social boundary. He went beyond all of those superfluous things to get to the one who could deal with his problem. And I'll tell you, there's one who can deal with your problems. His name is Jesus Christ. And the biggest problem that we have, ladies and gentlemen, is sin. Because it stands to separate us from God for eternity. And God doesn't want that to happen, and so he gave us Jesus Christ. But are you willing to come? And the last question we'll ask is this. How did Jesus feel about the leper's assumptions? Well, it's very evident. In verse 3 it says, And Jesus reached out, and he touched the leper. Jesus reached out, and he touched the leper. Who knows how many years it had been since he had felt human touch, much less a divine touch. Who knows how many nights he had longed for somebody to just reach out to him, and there was no one in all of Israel that was willing except for one, the God of Israel. How did Jesus feel about this man's assumptions that this man came to him with confidence, feeling that he wouldn't be rejected, and that this man bowed before him, acknowledging that he was the Lord? Well, Jesus felt real good about it. He reached out and touched him. And he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And the Bible says immediately his leprosy was gone. Jesus made that man well that day. And I'll tell you, he's willing to make you well today. He's here. He is here in our midst. And he is willing to remove your sins as far as the east is from the west to bury him in the deepest sea. He's willing to remove that thing which separates us from a meaningful love relationship with God that we might be brought near and restored to that for which we were created to know and to love and to enjoy God. Jesus wanting to deal with that today. God demonstrated his love for you and I in that while we were yet sinners, he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for us upon the cross. God has demonstrated his incredible, mad, passionate love for you and I. And now is your opportunity to reciprocate. Now is your opportunity to respond to the love of God. Saying, God, if you loved me so much that you caused Jesus to take all the weight of my sins, the penalty of my sins, the death penalty of my sins upon himself on the cross that I might have a relationship with you. Well, then God, I don't want to hold back. I want to enter into that relationship. And the way that you do that is very simple. It's called repent. It's called acknowledging that you've been wrong and God is right. You've got to recognize that you're a sinner. You must realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You've got to be willing to repent of your sins. That means to do an about face. Hey God, I'm, I'm heading into a wrong direction. I'm heading toward disfigurement and dismemberment and spiritual death and to turn towards Jesus Christ. And then you've got to receive him as your Lord and Savior.
I tell you, he will not reject a single one of you. This is the offer of heaven that is before you today. Some of you have already received that offer, but you've walked away from the Lord. You're like the lepers that were cleansed and they never came back to give him thanks and praise. Some of you prodigals need to come home today. I'm going to call you home as well. Some of you know that you're heading back into that old life of leprosy. You were cleansed, but you're going back into those things. You need to be set free again today. And some of you, for the first time, are going to come to Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm going to call you to do. I'm going to call you to come to Jesus right here, just like that leper did. I'm going to call you to forget about the crowd, just like that leper did. By the way, that crowd was against the leper. This crowd is for you. Amen? Nevertheless, I'm going to call you to get up out of your seat and come forward. And what you're saying is, Jesus, thank you that you're willing to heal, to cleanse, and to forgive me. I'm willing to come to you. And those of you that are backslidden and you know who you are, you're going to come as well. And so worship team's going to come up, begin to play a song. And during the song, it's your moment. It's your opportunity. I want you to think about the good news that's been set before you today. I want you to think about the good news that there's a God who loves you and who wants to deal with the issue of sin, who wants to heal your heart and give you a meaningful love relationship with the Creator. And you now decide if you're going to accept that or reject that. Remember that Jesus proved that His words were valid by His resurrection from the dead. What will you do with the good news of Jesus Christ today? I'm going to pray. The music is going to play. And as they play, if you're willing to come to Jesus, you come up here today. Let's stand so that people are free to move from the seats and into the aisles and make their way forward. Jesus, we thank you that you're present with us now, even as you are present here in Matthew 8. Thank you that you love everyone that is here. You know each individual by name. And we ask now that Jesus, you would call them out by name that you touch their hearts even as you touch that leper that day, that they would sense the absolute and sure call of you, calling them to forgiveness, repentance, and freedom. Jesus, that you would set the captives free today in this place. If you know you need Jesus, now's your opportunity. You make your way forward. We're waiting for you.